0: Together, 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel 7 and we'll look together in uh, verse number 1. We've been re- looking and studying together uh, on the subject of worship. What is genuine worship? What is true worship? We've kind of talked about that generality of it thus far. We've looked at um, and understood that there are temptations from Satan to keep us from our worship. And last week we looked at uh, the children of Israel and uh, the, the, the worship that they had off track and the, uh, how that they were putting other things before God and uh, putting things in place of God as well. And uh, today I want to bring Second Samuel chapter 7. And looking together in verse number 1 to begin uh, today, the Word of God says, And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, But the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said unto the king, Go do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David. Thus saith the Lord, Shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I uh, brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle." And in all places wherein I have walked, with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not an house of cedar? The Bible says in verse 8, Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto thy servant David, Thus the Lord of hosts I took thee from the sheep code, from the follow, following of uh, the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was in thee whithersoever thou wentest and have cut off all thine enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more, Uh, neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee, that he will make thee an house. Look down at verse 18. The Bible says, Then went King David in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God. But thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And is this the manner of man, O Lord God? And what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant's, For thy word's sake, and according to thine own heart, hast thou done all these great things to make thy servant know them. Wherefore, thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, to make him a name, and to do for him a great thing, and terrible for thy land before thy people which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt and from the nations of their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever. And thou, Lord, art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house, establish it forever. And do as thou hast said. And let thy name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel." Let the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee an house. And therefore hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art that God, and thy words be true, and thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord, hast spoken it, And with thy blessing, let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. I want you to notice with me what the Word of God says in verse 1. It came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest about from all his enemies. uh, Verse 2, and the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, notice, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. In Bible times, we know that Uh, The Ark of God was a representation of God himself. It was not that they were worshiping the Ark, but it was that which represented God. And uh, it was not taking place or demeaning God in any way, and that was not its intent at all. But uh, here we understand in the Old Testament up to this point that God and the Ark of God had been carried in the tabernacle uh, before the synagogue had been carried and moved during the traveling with the children of Israel all up until this time, and it is now David's desire to build a house for the ark of God. In other words, what is his concern? He says, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. He says, I look at the place in which I dwell, and I compare it to the place in which God dwells, and God's not being given His rightful place. How is it that I'm faring better, that I'm faring in uh, more protection, and more comfort, and God is not given his rightful place? That is what I want to talk to you about this morning, is giving God his rightful place. When we can think on this matter of worship, and we've already read the psalms, uh, uh, the psalm of David, uh, that to worship God with all my heart. Notice how he even brings this out. He says in verse 3, Nathan said to the king, go and do all that is in thine heart. He makes further reference to this down in the later part of the chapter uh, speaking of his heart. I say to you that it, this is, it, when it comes to our worship, it, it, it is all, as we've already said many times, connected to the heart. The Bible says, out of the heart of the issues of life, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If God is truly to be given his rightful place in your life, it has to be a desire of your heart. The last two messages, whether you've noticed or, or taken note of, we've really concluded with the thought of the desires. Uh, last week we talked about uh, the sacrifice of the, of the children of Israel was wrong. and We are reminded of our sacrifice and what it should be uh, uh, to God. And, and yet, uh, in times past, we've talked about our commitments. We've talked about uh, our, our keeping our commitments, our promises to God. But uh, in, in much sense of the way, there is there a desire, a spiritual desire to give God His rightful place? In Psalm 132, verse 3 and 4, the Bible says, "...Truly I will come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go up into my bed. I will, I will give sleep to, not give sleep to mine eyes or slumber to mine eyelids." It was David himself who says, I can't even rest. I can't even have comfort until God is given his rightful place. And in this case, in the tabernacle, in our place, in our heart. I wonder, are you giving God his rightful place in your life? Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you give understanding today. Lord, give me clarity of thought and of speech. Lord, you are a great and a wonderful and powerful God. And we thank you for the sending of your Son down on the cross for all mankind. And Lord, it is our desire as you've made, uh, we as unworthy people, as you've uh, made a provision, a way for us to come to you and to worship you, it is our desire that we uh, would have a biblical worship, a worship that would bring you honor and glory. And so Lord, I pray uh, that we would do just that here um, and choose to do just that uh, as a reminder of these things in our own lives. Lord, we ask and pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I want to talk to you about some things that are required of a Christian who is to give God His rightful place. What? How do we give God His rightful place in our life? We see the desire of uh, of David, and I would say to you, it began first with a with a characteristic of humility. It began with humility. He he allowed himself to see that he did not he had not arrived. He did not know it all. In fact. Where did he come first? The Bible tells us in verse number two, the king said unto Nathan the prophet, he comes right to Nathan the prophet first. And, um, uh, you know, how often and true it is that, uh, uh, that what, <laughs> to remain in an attitude of humility, coming to godly counsel uh, can truly um, help us to slow down, <laughs> helps us consider our actions, helps us to remember who God is. I know in working with teenagers, it would often happen that uh, you'd have, you know, here are teenagers going through something in their, uh, in their home or with their parents or maybe it's with someone else altogether, another friend. And the counsel, the, 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 the direction they go in trying to resolve the matter is not at all coming to God, but instead it's, it's coming to everyone else or everything under the sun. I wonder, who do you go to for godly counsel? Is there someone that you come to for godly counsel? You know, God has given some of us some good and godly parents that we can come to. Let me encourage you. uh, You're never too old to receive godly counsel from your parents. Amen? And sometimes uh, we can arrive at this thinking, well, I've got to be the man. I've got to be a grown person now. I'm living on my own. No, godly counsel from the people who God placed in their life. Godly counsel. Hopefully, uh, you would consider your pastor someone who you can get godly counsel from. Godly counsel, maybe some of the men uh, or women within our church, uh, even your Sunday school teacher, godly counsel. How do you remain in an attitude of humility and giving God his rightful place? Well, I believe counsel and godly counsel is directly connected to all these things. You'll never allow yourself to come to this place if you are so fast to say, well, I don't need help. Well, I got this on my own. God is not meant for the believer. God is not, not meant for Christians uh, to live the Christian life on our own. And praise the Lord for that. Amen. <laughs> but I mean, Let me remind you, that's part of even why God has instituted and given the church. For the sake of fellowship and the exhorting of brothers and sisters in Christ, for praying for one another, coming alongside one another, for godly counsel. Somebody says, well, how, do, how does one give godly counsel? Well, uh, truthfully, if, if God has worked in your life and given you an understanding or giving you direction in your own individual life, uh, that's where you start. Somebody says, well, I don't know what to do. What would you suggest that I do? Or could you pray for me? I'm going through this in my life or whatever it may be. Well, I know in my own life, this is what I did. This is what God showed me. This is what God showed me as the proper way to come at it. Or this is what God showed me as the way that I shouldn't do these things. I wonder, are we humble enough to receive godly counsel? Uh, truthfully, a healthy church is defined by a church that, that uh, uh, can receive godly counsel from one another. Iron sharpeneth iron. Amen? We are not the know-it-alls, okay? And by the way, the pastor doesn't know it all, okay? I'm the first one to say that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, and you can't expect everyone to, to know, it, know everything. But do you allow yourself uh, to receive counsel? Uh, I know in my own flesh, uh, sometimes I can find it hard uh, to you know, let anyone tell me what to do. You know? Or sometimes I only uh, want to receive enough counsel uh, that I'm, I'm resisting or I'm uh, really uh, not even giving a point in place for that counsel to be given, but in some sense of the way, just saying, well, I did that. I've done that. I'm doing that. Well, slow down a second. Humble yourself before God. Maybe let God use that individual or maybe the counsel of God himself to draw you to the end of yourself. Here we find David. He comes to Nathan the prophet. And the Bible tells us in prophet, Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. You're never Don't ever conclude that you're too old to receive counsel or you're too young to receive counsel from so-and-so. No one says you have to call it counsel, okay? Maybe you just need prayer. You just need someone to talk to. Maybe you just need some... some uh, suggestions on how to do things. Let me tell you, if you're the person who's given the counsel, just be sure that it's of the Lord, and it's not just your own opinion, okay? Uh, And how do you know it's of the Lord? Well, we've already said, if God has worked in your life, uh, that's where you start. That's where you start. Well, this is how God's worked in my life. When I've gone through these things, or maybe the answer is, well, you know what? I've never gone through that before, but boy, let me pray with you. Well, that's counsel in and of itself allowing others to pray for you, allowing others to encourage you, allowing others to, 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 uh, uh, to help you. You know, I, I am uh, I'm a I would say I'm a relatively a, a do-it-myself type of person. I enjoy the help of some people, but sometimes with certain things, uh, if I'm not careful, I say, you know what, uh, I, I can get this done faster, I can get this done better, I can get it done how I want to do it, so I'm going to do it myself. But you know, that, that can be a good thing and it can also be a bad thing in the same way. Um, stay humble, stay humble. Humility is not an easy thing to talk about, (laughs) but truthfully, if we're to keep a proper attitude of worship before God, we have to stay humble. And when we keep an attitude of humility with other people, it keeps our attitude of humility before God himself. Because we're constantly saying, God, I need you. I don't got this figured out. God, I need your help today. Uh, Boy, it's been a rough day today. Uh, Boy, Lord, help me not to get bitter about this. Well, you saw what, what took place there, or God, you know what I've done here wasn't maybe the right decision, but what I should have done, please forgive me. Lord, would you help me to know how to proceed further and do the right thing? Godly counsel. I'd say, secondly, we've mentioned this already, but re- remembering our unworthiness. We read verse 18, David says, Who am I, O Lord? God. This is, how, how, why would you use me to provide a means uh, and to be the one, uh, yet he recognizes his position, but he says, who, who am I? Remain with an attitude of, un, of our unworthiness. In Matthew 6, verse 30, the Bible says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which, is, uh, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall ye be clothed? Are you known by others with a testimony that's dependent upon God to provide when you have a need? Here's, here we find, uh, uh, this, this is, this is um, David with a full dependence upon God, remembering your unworthiness. You know, we have a privilege to, uh, of, to be able to come to God in prayer, having that constant communication with him. Um, do we come to him at any time? Do we see ourselves as unworthy before God. Look past your own possessions. Look at verse 18. He says, Then went King David in and said before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? What is my house? What is what I have? And everything that I have is as nothing. I, I'm not worthy of this, let alone that you would use anything that I have. Looking past your own possessions. It's, it's following that godly counsel, remembering your unworthiness, but looking past that which you have. The Bible says, But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Boy, sometimes our worship can just be taken off track as a result of that which we have in possessions, but not what we have in God. The Bible says in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. And Jesus said to him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You're pushing that plow, you're trying to keep the straight line, you turn around, you're going to go off a little bit. Uh, that's one of the hardest parts of mowing the lawn with Caleb running around in the yard. You know. Here I am, push mowing, and Caleb's the out of there. Whoa! You watch the lines in the yard, and they're all like this. You know. It's uh, the remnants of a child running through the yard. Look past your own possessions. The moment that you start to look at your own things is the moment that you get yourself off track. And truthfully, you, you arrive at a point not of humility, but rather of, look at all that I have. This is bringing me comfort. This is bringing me answers. This is bringing me resolve. What, what I have is enough. But truthfully, what we have isn't enough. We need God. Amen? Remaining with that proper attitude of, of worship. Um, keep your finger here. Turn with me to Haggai chapter 1. I know I've turned with you here before, but uh, could we remind ourselves here later on, at this point in time in Haggai, the, the, the temple had already been built, but then it had been destroyed. And then uh, God raises up um, Ezra and Nehemiah to rebuild the walls, and then we see Solomon later in the rebuilding of that temple. And uh, here, David is eventually used by God to build this temple, it's destroyed, And in the process of rebuilding, the Bible tells us that the children of Israel had allowed themselves to get a little bit off track. In Haggai chapter 1 and verse number 4, here the prophet speaks uh, to the people. He says, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed or in your covered houses? In this house lying waste. You read in the book of Ezra and you read in... in, uh, Um, the book of Haggai, you would find the children of Israel had done the very same thing, which David was finding himself in uh, here in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and that is I look at my house, I look at my possessions, I look at all that I have, and what are they but distractions from giving God his rightful place. And so the children of Israel, in the very same way, (laughs) dwelling in their sealed houses, dwelling in comfort, enjoying life, in other words, without God in it in a proper attitude of worship uh, before God and one that remains in humility, look past your own possessions. Because remember, someday your possessions on this earth will pass away. (laughs) You're not taking them with you to heaven. No matter how much you polish up the car, no matter how much you build up that bank account, no matter how big of a house you live in, no matter what you have to your name. The greatest of all things is God himself. That's the only thing that will truly matter in the end. Don't let yourself get distracted. If we're to keep our eyes upon God with an attitude of humility, we have to look past our own possessions. Giving God his rightful place through humility. Are you a person of humility, giving, receiving counsel, seeing your unworthiness, looking past your own possessions? I would say, secondly, it's giving God his rightful place through praise. Through praise. Look at verse 19. The Bible says, and this was yet a small thing, in thy sight, O Lord, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. And this is the manner of man, O Lord God. We find David praising God for his power and ability. Oh, what, what Even the small things, yet in all the great things, God, all that you are. I wonder, are we people of praise? Are you a person of praise? One of the greatest things we can dwell on. Uh, we've said this before, but the natural man retracts back to the negative. We can dwell on those things which we aren't praising about. Well, the car engine light came on today, and man, I got home and it started raining and I was going to mow the lawn and, and then the neighbor had their trash out and the dog got into it and all the trash is everywhere and you know and, and then uh, the cat pooped in the backyard and you know, we think of everything under the sun that we're dwelling on, rather than all that God actively is doing. You realize that there, there is nothing small in the eyes of God. Amen. You know, in, in all, and, and even in the small things, it's a great thing. And God does it. And here David says, is acknowledging the power of God. Oh, but, but what a small thing. Look at the previous verse, verse 18. Then when King David in, uh, uh, in and sat before the Lord, and he said, "Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that I was brought me hitherto? And this was yet a small thing in thy sight, O Lord God, but thou hast spoken also of thy servant's house for a great while to come. that you would even think of me, that you would even consider me by thy servant's house. I'm not worthy of any of this. Genesis chapter 18 and verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, The Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for God? May we never conclude in our mind that God is not able. Praise Him for what He is able to do and what He has done. Amen? You want to keep a proper attitude of worship, let yourself be a person of praise. Praise God for what He is doing. Uh, you, you should be truthfully ready to give a testimony at any time and at all times for the wonderful things that God is doing. And not be ashamed to share of it. Uh, it's unfortunate that too many times when given opportunity with, of, a, of a church to share a testimony, we have to scratch our head. Because we spent more of the day giving less praise than the praise that we truly should be giving to God who is worthy. Amen? I wonder, maybe you could challenge yourself even this week. Of all the things which God is actively doing. Praise God for the things he's doing in your home, for the things he's doing in your church, for the things he's doing at your work. See, you say, what about all the negative things? Well, we live in a sinful world. Nothing, uh, n- nothing happens by accident, but some things happen as a result of sin. <laughs> we have to remind ourselves that those discouraging things of life, those frustrating things of life, is the very thing which Satan can use to draw us away from a proper rightful place being given to God. The Bible tells us that we are to praise God for His power and ability. Look at verse 20. And and what can David say more unto thee? For thou, Lord God, knowest thy servant for thy word's sake. He praises God for his love and care. God loves and He cares. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, the Bible tells us that God can do exceedingly above all that we ask or think. You see if we don't, uh, or we don't need to ask or think anything more because God knows it all. Including that God, as the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, God is in control. God does care. God cares for me. And I'm praising God for it. I thank you for watching over, over me. You know, I'll give you an example. Here you are driving on the road. Somebody cuts you off, right? You're on your way to church. You walk into church, you shake somebody's hand. They say, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing pretty good except for that guy who cut me off. Let me just tell you, he was coming right down 1st Street and he came and he turned off and I was turning on 1st Street as well and he wasn't even watching at all. No praise. Right? There's the negative. There's the lack, the lack of, uh, of giving glory to God's safety. Praise God, he kept me safe. Could have been a lot worse than it was. You know, and, and by the way, could, could I encourage you in something? Um, in your prayers, you pray to God, uh, you know, uh, praying in faith and praying in praise uh, work hand in hand. Uh, in other words, a prayer that says, well, um, you know, God, uh, thank you for the rain today. You know we should have gotten more. Man, we really need that rain, but thank you for the rain we got. That's that's not a prayer of praise. That's not a prayer of faith. Truthfully, that's a, that's a complaint before God. Uh, g- God is... Constantly watching over us. We believe that today. Amen? God cares for us. He knows. He has a reason for. He understands. So praise Him for it. Praise God for the little things. Praise God for the big things. And, tr- and truthfully, uh, nothing is small. Uh, nothing should be considered a small thing when God does it in our life. And oh, what a, David says, oh, who am I, oh Lord God? And this is yet a small thing, that you would even consider me. Yet you made promises to me that you would even consider me. I'm so unworthy. Praise God for his greatness and glory. Look at verse 22. Wherefore, thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And when was the last time we just said, God, oh, thank you for all that you are, there is no one like you who... God, I love you. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for watching over me. Thank you for allowing me to worship you. Do we take the time to praise God for his greatness, for his glory, for all that he is? You know, um, practicing praising (laughs) uh, more than complaining. That's a a, a struggle between the flesh and the spirit, most definitely, but it can be done. Dwell on the, the things which God is doing and has done and always has been. Uh, You know, um, I can't, I'm not saying this as a perfect parent, uh, but you know, kids always copy the things that you do, and you know, uh, Caleb's right at that chattering, you know, I gotta say everything you say, and one day he wakes up and he says something that one, either my wife or I said that he hadn't yet said before, you know. And uh, one of the things we try to do is compliment him when he does something good, you know good boy, oh, that's great, that's nice. You know? And so anytime we do something that's good, he'll say the same thing. Oh, good boy, Daddy, good boy, that's great. You know? and, and let me tell you, sometimes when it comes to our relationship with God, we, we're not talking to God in, in a demeaning way, but we say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for watching over me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for all that you are. You're more than wonderful. You're more than than I could ever ask for. I mean, out of the genuineness of our heart and praise to Him, do we speak to God in such a way? We want to gratitude of worship. We've spoken in humility, but uh, we've spoken about humility, but also that of praise. Have an attitude of praise. We've seen that him, He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. There's nothing that you can dwell upon in praise to God uh, of the things going on in your life. Let me tell you, guarantee you can dwell upon it It is this, that Christ lives in you if you're a believer here today. That's something worth praising about. And you can never thank God too much for that. You know, I can find myself guilty sometimes of of, um, of praising praising, uh, out of sentence and not out of heart. I'm just speaking meaningless, not of the heart. Words that are not truly praise. You know, and the worst, the, the what as happens as a result of that, or what creates that even more, is because you know the further along we come in our Christian life, we start developing uh, certain wordages, and now we're speaking of God and and speaking to God in a certain way, but we're not actually thinking about what we're saying. I mean, truly taking the time to think about God. Maybe just taking a characteristic of God and just writing about it. Well, that'd be a good, good time of devotion it's just to dwell on the names of God and the characteristics of God in that way. But giving praise to him, keeping an attitude of praise. Uh, you know, some of us are maybe drawn more naturally to, you know, seeing that, that negative. Ask God to help you. Because if you believe by faith that God can and he will, he will help you. Amen? Talked about that in Sunday school a little bit. So let me give you the last thing here. Give God his rightful place through prayer. We've talked a lot about prayer here uh, a couple weeks back now. But um, notice this prayer, he begins with praise. it continues in verse 23. And what nation in earth is like thy people? It's like he's taking a step back, okay, looking at the nation of Israel. Even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and do for you great things and terrible for thy land, before thy people which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever. And thou, Lord, art become their God. He was looking back at what the Lord had done for his people. know, I think of prayer, and you know, uh, his his prayer is not, um, but a recognition of what God had done. But truthfully, it's a uh, in the same way, it is a um, uh, recognition of the people to whom he had become the God too. The Bible says. The end of verse 24. Lord, thou art become their God. You became their God. You proved yourself real. Uh, we think about our own attitude of prayer. When did you pray for our nation? You pray for the people around you. God has brought us to, and as far as we are here in life, For that matter, we live in a great country of America. Amen. That's a blessing from God. Uh, God has uh, brought and brings continually so many blessings just as a result of us living where we're at, let alone the things that we have each day. Do we pray for our nation? Do we pray for our leadership? Do we pray for, uh, in in recognition of praise, but we're praying for God's continued will to be done and that God would become... Our nation's God. God would be our God. This prayer is, again, it's a a reminiscent, but in so many ways, it just reminds me of the prayer that we should have also. As as David is is reminded of of his people, so we should pray for our people. Do you pray for our country? Pray for your church. Look at verse... uh, Let's see, verse number 25, the Bible says, For thou hast confirmed thyself, thy people Israel, to be a people unto thee forever. And thou, Lord, art become their God. And now, O Lord God, the word that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house, establish it forever, and do as thou hast said. Notice those words, establish it forever. The word that you had spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house. That word established means to raise up or to stir up. He's asking that God would do a work in the house of God. When, this, when you, you're leading me to do the building, God, would you do a work? Would you raise it up? Would you stir it up? Would you bless? I wonder, is that so the same prayer for the church? For the house of God, we understand the church is where two or three are gathered together in his name. The church is the people. You pray for the people in our church. You pray for God's blessing within the ministry of the church. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. You pray and ask that God would help our church to have vision for what God can do and desires to do we're talking about giving God his rightful place in the matter of prayer. We, we can be praying for those around us, praying for uh, the house of God in itself, and in this case, the church. And notice verse 26, the Bible says, "...and let thy name be magnified forever, saying, Lord of hosts is, is, is the God over Israel, and the house of thy servant David be established before thee. For thou, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, hast revealed to thy servant, saying, I will build thee a house therefore." Therefore, hath thy servant found in his heart to pray this people or this prayer unto thee. And now, O Lord God, thou art that God, and thy words be true. And thou hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. Therefore, now let it please thee to bless the house of thy servant, that it may continue forever before thee. For thou, O Lord God, hast spoken it, and with thy blessing let the house of thy servant be blessed forever. You notice in the reading of this, he talks about the house of God, but now he's speaking in his own home, in his own house. But my house blessed thee. Bless my home. Pray for your home. Pray for your home. Pray for your children. Pray for your spouse. Uh, Pray for the future of your children, the the, the people that they would marry someday. Uh, Pray that that they would keep their lives straight. Um, believe by faith that God can and he will. Uh, be careful that your prayer of your home is not anything more than a prayer of faith and not a complaint to God. God, you know what we need in our home. Just give it to us, would you? <laughs> we don't maybe pray it in that word, but sometimes we can pray really selfish prayers of our home. Now, would you bless our home? Would you be magnified in our home? Uh, would you? Would you let would you have your rightful place in our home Uh, our prayers um, it's a responsibility of every father every mother to put god first in the home it's a responsibility of of uh, every husband every wife to put god first in the home or do you desire for god to bring the blessing in your home well you say well absolutely You go to my kitchen, there's a plaque up on the wall It says, bless our home, right? Uh, But but do you desire for God to bring the blessing? If so, the Bible says, there's going to be evidence in your worship. The Bible says, by by our fruits we're known. There'll be evidence of our desire to please God, to glorify God. You can't expect God, in other words, to bless your home if you're not living for him. You can't expect God's blessing on your children if you're not putting him first in your own life. That is, in all these areas that we've talked about even thus far. If God is not given his place in your rightful place in your individual life, how can he expect be expected to bless any other part of your life? For that matter, if God is not given his rightful place in your life, how can you expect God to answer the prayer of blessing the people around you in our in our nation to whom you're praying for? For that matter, if, if God is not in a rightful place in your life, how can you expect God to bless His church and, and the, the people within the church? God has to be given that preeminence before all things. I'm living in obedience to Him. And my actions prove it. And, 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 and I'm, I'm setting things aside. I'm, I'm committing to God. I'm keeping my promises before God. I'm, I, I'm not... Uh, letting the question be said, who is on the Lord's side? As we talked about last week, are you living for God or are you not? I make it distinctly clear to, before God and before others around me, that God is first in my life. In a proper attitude of worship, we're remaining with a spirit of humility. One that's that's realizing who we are, our unworthiness and who God is. We're praising Him for all that he is, remaining in an attitude of praise, of thankfulness, and remaining in an attitude of prayer. Never, you can never pray too much. Be sure that your prayers are prayers of faith. Be sure that they're just not meaningless, loose words that you're just throwing out. Because true prayer is faith. The Bible says, the Christian in Romans chapter 1 is to live a life from faith to faith. We receive God by faith, We continue to live the Christian life through faith. Faith is believing that in this context, I desire God's blessing. So God has promised me that he will bless if I live for him, if I obey him, if I'm serving him as he's commanded me to do. Do you desire God's blessing? I don't doubt that. Are you giving God his rightful place? Are you giving him his rightful place? You can put so many other things in place of God. Uh, something else is of greater importance. Something else is of greater priority. Uh, something you desire to do more. You desire God. Is that your utmost? David says, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. Maybe we put it in the context of the 21st century. I'm Sitting on my couch watching football, eating potato chips. I'm at home, uh, you know, relaxing, comfortable. Air conditioning's running, the heat's running when it's cold. I'm 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 working a good job, and I'm you know I'm saving. I've got a nice bank account building up, and all the while, God becomes second to all those things. Or can it be said of your Christian life that man I'm, I'm striving with for God to the best of my ability? I'm having to cut work time out to give more to God. I'm having to, to cut some of my personal desires out so I can give more to God. I'm, I'm, I'm specifically giving God the priority. Um, it's easy maybe for one to say, well, pastor, it's easy for you to say you're a pastor. You're doing a, One of the easiest places to get away from the will of God and what God desires for you to do is right when you begin serving Him and start trying to live for Him. The temptation, we talked about this, but the temptation becomes that much greater. Remember, as we looked at in the book of Matthew, the temptation which was brought um, uh, to Jesus, not the same type of temptation in which we would have, but God sure shows us how to confront it. The desire and intent of Satan is to pull out any foundation of faith. You can't take away your salvation, but any foundation of faith and belief and confidence in God that he can That your worship would be towards and in. Worship is whatever you're putting in place. Proper worship of God is giving God his rightful place. Worship towards anyone or anything else other than God. Maybe you need to examine your own life. Examine your own schedule. Uh, Would you challenge yourself to do so? We desire the blessing from God. We say, why are the things happening in my country? Why are the things happening in my church? Why are the things happening in my home? But ask yourself, who is the importance in your life? Are you dwelling in cedar? Well, the ark of God dwells in tents. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to give you the rightful